Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that pride themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro Who? Jim Bob Foley? Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop with the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your own one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald and my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? Will, I've watched uh, several hours of Summer League over the last few days. Um, I'm a little burnt out from, from the bad basketball, but it's going pretty well otherwise. I can, I can commiserate with you, man. I, I turned it off in the third quarter last <laughs> yeah. night, and uh, I'm still going to talk about it like I know something. Yep. So he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst. GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. It's the true pride. It's the true pride. Yeah, it's the true pride of French League himself. Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, an absolute pleasure to have you. How's it going today? No, it's going pretty good, guys. And I'm kind of like Tony. You know, I've it's a summer league. I'm watching it, but boy, <laughs> I, I question why sometimes. <laughs> so for, uh, for all the huffing and puffing that the national media did surrounding the Kings at the beginning of free agency, about all the moves that they would, should, or could have made, uh, we're a couple weeks in now, and um, the 23-24 Sacramento Kings resemble uh, a lot. They look a lot like uh, the 22-23 Kings. So we're going to run through these before we get to uh, the Summer League and all the 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 bundles of fun that we have watching those games. So, um, guys, let's run through some of these deals that the Kings have done. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Harrison Barnes got re-signed uh, for three years, $54 million. It's an average of 18 per uh, what are you guys' feelings after all the talk about all these different free agents the Kings could have had? You know, there's a lot of discussion of Kyle Kuzma or OG Ananobi trade that they bring back Harrison Barnes. What were your feelings towards that? Well, you know, I, I've got to say I'm probably uh, I'm more than okay with it. I mean, don't get me wrong. If they could have gotten somebody clearly better uh, at a reasonable contract, which I think clearly they couldn't. You know, I think that's what it told me. But, uh, you know, Harrison's, you know, he's not as good as you want him to be, but he's uh, better than most of the guys you can get. <laughs> and and I think that uh, Monty and him, I thought they got him at a, a fair rate, considering what we saw around the league. So, you know, he's, uh, you know, you can win with Harrison. Uh, the Kings proved it last year. So, uh, yeah. you know, maybe – you know, maybe his his role changes a little bit, but uh, you know, if if that's your worst move of the year, you're you're doing pretty good. Tony, we saw Bruce Brown get two years, forty five mil. Kyle Kuzma got the same amount, but for four years instead of two years. Um, 
how do you feel about um about how Harrison Barnes was brought back and uh, the price that he was brought back for? It's hard to argue that the the price was bad. I think McNair did a fine job from that standpoint. Um, I'm still kind of 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 the camp that believes that long term Sabonis, Murray, and Barnes as kind of your front court center combination is is not going to work. Like they don't check all the boxes. But to me, this is McNair just kind of kicking that decision down the road uh, even further. And it's like, I keep saying this. I still think at some point Harrison Barnes will be traded. When? I have no idea because he's been <laughs> saying it for four years now. But I, I still think there's a move to be made there. But I have no problem with McNair kind of kicking that decision down the road even further because um, the price was fair. And if that's the guy that, that McNair and, and uh, Mike Brown like and that's what they want to bring back, I'm, I'm not going to push too hard against that one. Jerry, do you see Harrison Barnes as, as a starter for the Kings the next three years, or do you feel like they are, in fact, looking to use this contract for another move down the road? Yeah, I, I really don't. I mean, I could he start next year? Sure. Uh, but but I think uh, I agree with Tony. I mean, really, and I think you guys know that. I've always thought they need somebody bigger, stronger, longer, uh, you know, to play with Sabonis at the stretch four. And I think Keegan – I've said many times, as here again, you guys know, and listeners, that I've always thought Keegan is your future going forward at the small forward. And I think in the California Classic, if you can't start to see that, you're not paying very close attention. And uh, so, but if if uh, if it's another year that way, uh, you know, probably okay. Uh, and, and it's like Tony said, the, the thing about signing a guy, a good player, that still has got several good years left at a reasonable contract. If you do want to trade him, you can trade him and get, and have a chance of getting value. So all in all, uh, I, I, I feel good about it. So we're going to speak to about the next, about a potential Barnes replacement here in uh, Sasha Vizankov, who signed a uh, three year, $20 million deal. Uh, the Euroleague league MVP is one of those guys that, you could see him as a super sub off the bench. You could see him as the eventual replacement for Harrison Barnes. Where do you see um, Vizankov fitting in here? And and do you like the deal that he got for uh, to come over to uh, to the King squad? Yeah, I do. I think they got him at a, at a good price, you know, an MVP of European League. And that's obviously the second best league in the world. And, uh, you know, we know. In my opinion, I've tried to watch a good bit more of him, and I like him a little better than I did, you know. I mean, the guy can make shots. <laughs> he's a shot maker. I, I mean, he's not exactly uh, what I had in mind, uh, you know, but but could he start uh, as, a, as a four? I think he could, uh, you know, and if, especially maybe bring Harrison off the bench. You know, I think it's still possible, or you could – or you can bring him off the bench. So – but but I think he'll fit, you know, the team very well because he moves well without the ball. He's a shot maker, obviously, Domas. Now, defensively, rebounding, you know, we're going to be bitching and moaning about that all year anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but a team that, uh, you know, I think they got better offensively and they were all good offensively before. Tony, how do you feel about uh, Alexander finally coming over to the Kings? <laughs> this is uh... – this is my favorite move that Monty McNair made. It was kind of an obvious one because they had his rights. Everyone assumed he'd make the, the signing and come over. Getting him for three years at a very low average annual value. You have his bird rights in the next contract if you if he, if it works out well. Um, I, I love this signing. I think Sasha's going to be very good for this team. I do think that in some ways they have a, a lot of fours, <clears throat> a lot of backup fours 
which is going to be interesting. Like Trey Lyles can play backup center. We saw him do it last year, but going into the year with him being your, your main player there is a little bit concerning to me. They brought back Alex, Alex Lenz. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but I think Sasha, while I love the signing, I think he's going to have a good impact for the team this year. There is like a, a minutes crunch to some degree between Keegan and Harrison Barnes and Trey Lyles and Sasha Vasenkov and Alex Len. Um, and that's all coming down after Savona. So, you know, is going to get his, you know, 35 minutes a night. So I don't know if there's enough minutes for Lyles and Sasha to both be their best selves, but I guess that's up to them to battle it out in camp and, and figure out who wins those minutes. Yeah, Tony, you mentioned the backup floor jam here, so I guess we could talk about uh, Trey Lyles. Uh, Lyles is coming back on a two-year, uh, $16 million deal with no team or player options. Um, I guess I guess uh, you brought this up here, Tony, a little bit, but is he the backup five going into next season? Is he the presumed backup five instead of Alex Lynn? And uh, I guess we could talk about the contract, too. Is this about what you expected for Trey Lyles? Well, boy, that's a good deal, I think, for Trey Lyles. I really do. Another good signing by Monte. And, and I do think personally that he's a backup five at times, mm -hmm. you know, I think with Mike Brown, I, I'm a very creative coach. There's times when uh, they want to play small ball. He's an excellent stretch five. Uh, yeah. And so I think there'll be minutes there. And, and I think with Len, uh, okay. If you need a bigger power guy, uh, you know, I, we've seen that he can play, you know, he's here again, not exactly what you want, but uh, so I, I think that's the way they do it. I mean, I could see Lynn not playing very much at all, except in spots like last year late. And then Lyle's uh, getting probably half of his minutes at the stretch five and just, you know, again, what does it do for you? Well, it probably hurts you rebounding and, and defense, but it makes you better offensively. I mean, the, and and I think with with Coach Brown, I'm I'm convinced for all the talk about defense, and he wants them to play better defense. But it's like, well, if you can if you can go get 130 every night, uh, yeah. you know those uh, <laughs> that uh, you know you can win a lot of games. Yeah, Trey Lyles was, uh, if not their best player off the bench last season, he was their most consistent. Like you could argue Malik Monk was their best, but he was a kind of off and on nights. Trey Lyles was, was really steady the whole year. Um, so there's every reason why you, you could see McNair and Mike Brown wanting to bring him back. The contract was fair. So uh, while yes, like I've seen the, the thoughts out there that the Kings just sort of ran it back, which is very much what they did. Uh, you can at least understand why they, they re-signed every player they brought back. They didn't overpay for everyone. The guys they brought back all contributed positively last year. So we can argue if it was the right direction or if it was the direction that I wanted them to go in or you guys wanted them to go in. But it is a it is a understandable direction they did go in, and Trey Lyles is, is a part of that. Okay, so moving on to a trade that the Kings made here. Uh, the Kings traded um, for uh, Pacers guard Chris Duarte. Uh, they swapped two, uh, two second-round picks, a 2028 second that came from Dallas, and the Kings' very own 2030 uh, second-round pick. Um, Duarte obviously had himself a ball playing with Sabonis in his rookie year and wound up being injured and kind of phased out in Indy. There was a bit of a logjam there at shooting guard in a sophomore campaign. Uh, Jerry, Tony, what do you guys think of the move to go out and get the 26 year old shooting guard? Is this a good move to kind of fill in the bench there with a guy that Sabonis obviously had some sort of chemistry with? Well, you know, his, uh, I would say his rookie year, I thought he was really good. I mean, he had a terrific rookie year. And of course, last year, Heard a lot, didn't play a lot. Uh, you know, I talked to some people I know in the, from the Pacers, and and they pretty much said, you know, geez, uh, he 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 can 
you know, basically, if he, if he can stay healthy and play like he did as a rookie, you probably got a, you know, got a good one. A guy that could uh, uh, certainly talent-wise, uh, some saying he, you know, he might push Herder. Uh, you know, basically, there's a legit chance there. But it's also true he didn't play much last year and took a step back, a part of big part of it injuries. But you can't you can't blame a guy for being hurt, you know. And, and so, and you know why the Pacers had to do the deal. Uh, they got too many guards as it is. Sure. And uh, so, so I like it. I like it. Is it, is he better than Terrence Davis? Uh, he wasn't last year, but he, the year before he's quite a bit better. Tony, how do you feel about this move for, for Duarte? I, I love it for Duarte and I love it for the Kings. I think Duarte comes into a situation that couldn't be better for him trying to bounce back because there is such a strong relationship between him and Sabonis. Um, I was listening to Deuce and Mo. They had Duarte on, and uh, in that interview, he talked a lot about their relationship and how you know Sabonis took him under his wing from day one. They have excellent chemistry on and off the court. So if Sabonis is willing to sign off on it, he's such a smart player, and and you know can the players he plays well with are also very smart players because there's a lot of communication that that happens between him and his guards. Um, and you start if you look to the highlights, there's a lot of plays with uh, Duarte running the pick and roll with Sabonis. So Duarte has a little bit more of a handle and passing ability than just like a three and D wing that he might have kind of that, that very common label attached to his name. He can do a little bit more than that offensively. So uh, if he is going to be a good player, which like Jerry, he was very good in his rookie season. I think he has a great opportunity to do that with the Kings. So I think it's a great gamble for Monty McNair in building this core at, at an age range that kind of fits with all the rest of the, the young players here. Do you guys think this affects uh, a Malik Monk extension next year at all? Do you think that this is any of this could be, Monty McNair kind of positioning himself in case Malik Monk shows out and ends up getting a big contract somewhere else come next free agency. Well, it uh, actually, it would make sense. I mean, you'd want to protect yourself best you can. Now, having said that, I hope that's not the case because I, I think Malik Monk is really valuable and I hope there's a way they can, they better keep him. Uh, You know, that's, I think, well, anyway, I think there's a, couple of guys, you know, uh, in my mind, you know, Barnes, Herter, terrific players, but they're not as valuable as Monk mm-hmm. in my mind. That's, that's just my opinion. Maybe nobody else's, but uh, so, you know, you know, you got a year to look at, look at him and that, and you get some idea, but, but I, I just think this team needs Malik Monk. So hopefully there's a way they can keep him. The Kings are flexible, have some flexibility here, so I wouldn't call it a fear. But between Duarte and I would even throw Davia Mitchell in this camp and uh, Colby Jones, who we haven't talked about yet, the Kings have some guards kind of developing now that could push one of Monk or Herder off the team because there's there'll be a minutes crunch there, and these young guys deserve the minutes. And if you can get something good for Herder and Monk, go for it. I, like Jerry, I would prefer to keep Monk, but I do like that there are young players that could push some of these veterans to the trade block, and then you can upgrade your team in other ways. So I think the I like this end-of-bench core and their ability to push some of the starters more than more than they've had in a few years now. So maybe the most important bit of money moving in this offseason that Monty McNair has done was uh, Domas getting his bag. Uh, he got himself a $7.7 million raise this season, followed by uh, a four-year extension that tops out at uh, $52 million a year in 2028. Uh, do you guys like this? Jerry, I know you're usually a fan of letting it play out in free agency when you have rights like you have for Domas. Uh, was this something the Kings needed to do ASAP, or do you feel like they could have waited? Well, I think they could have waited. I'm, I'm glad they got him signed. I'm not sure that I quite understand why you'd give him 
you know, more money this coming year when you didn't have to. Sure. You know, I, my suspicion was if if you offered him a hundred and ninety some million dollar extension, uh, he he might have taken that, and that'd give you maybe a chance to still have a little space. So, I mean, I, I, and I may be wrong on the rules, but it, it that seemed you know. But they did what they did, and uh, you know, people always say, "Well, would you give?" Sabonis two hundred million. Well, no, I wouldn't give anybody two hundred million because I'm a cheapy. <laughs> but when you see, but when you see Desmond Bain getting two hundred plus million and and Tyrese getting two hundred plus million and and you know just about everybody that had a you know had a a good game, <laughs> you know it's it's like now a max contract for two thirds of the guy getting max contracts or you know, aren't max players. They're, they're very good players. <laughs> yeah. I guess if Dylan Brooks so, is going to make 80 million oh. over four years, uh, it's a bonus is worth about 500 million in that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so many of those contracts. It's like, I, I really thought to the Fred Van Bleet, who I like, I think he's a good player, but it's like Houston. What, 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 <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know, you know, they, you know, they're supposedly developing their young guards. Now, you know, Van Vliet's got to play and, and he's good, but I, I think he's a bit of a volume score sure. type guy. Uh, so, but I mean, and sir, would he be worth a good contract? Sure. But what, a, what, 35 million a year or something? I mean, it's like, okay. <laughs> I was thinking, but then again, like you said, Dylan, when Dylan Brooks gets 20, uh, <laughs> But then I said that a year or so ago with Davis Bertrand, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it, it's, it's the business of basketball. So what are you going to do? Sure. But I mean, in fairness to Domas compared to most guys who got huge contracts, there's, there's more of a case to be made for him getting a huge deal than, and certainly at his age, he'll still be young when it's over or young enough to get another contract. So uh, yeah, made sense. And I think, when put everybody to ease to know you're not going to, you know, you're not going to lose him uh, and have to worry about signing him as a free agent. And I know people said, well, how many teams could have really made, made him an offer of that big, not very many, but it just takes one, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> it just takes, it just takes one. And so, and then, so anyway, I, I, it's hard to criticize the Kings for much. Tony, how do you feel about the deal that the Kings did with Domas? I have no problem with the deal. Uh, the the strategy of opening up cap space, trading your pick, and then the result being, you know, essentially the same team you had last year. That's where I think there you could lob some criticism at McNair in the front office for playing it so conservative. Um, but that that will be proved through the results. So it's it's kind of hard, you know. We I, especially last last year we were this time last year we we're talking about the Kings, and my expectations were so low, and you know. I'll speak for myself, plenty of criticism for McNair and what he didn't do in the offseason, and they had a great year. So it's hard for me to sit here and say, hey, you know, you, you guys played it super conservative. You just ran it back. And now to be all critical that they won't have a good season next year, I'm not comfortable saying that. Maybe maybe they played it right. But I think if the Kings come out next year and they they fall back and they don't perform as well, they get eliminated in the first round or they, they make the play and they don't make a full playoff series, then you can look back at some of these moves and say, yeah, you guys probably played it too conservative. You should have let Sabonis have his final year, sign him next offseason, bring in some more legitimate talent this year that would fit and, and help in the regular rotation. Because 
you know, you look at these moves, they really did make some additions on the fringes and ran it back. And we will see what, what the results bear out at the end of all this. Jerry, as a, as a former coach and GM, how much does like uh, the internal cohesion of this team another year to get comfortable with each other, to, to build that chemistry, how important will that play next season in terms of them getting where they need to go next? The, you know, the next step in their evolution as the King squad, how much does just bringing that same team back plus a couple of fringe moves, how much does that help the Kings? Well, it, I think it does help the Kings. I, and I think that's the thing. And in general, it does, you know, I mean, stability means a lot, especially if you're a good team, which Kings proved they were. Uh, you got good guys who get along. You got a coach who seems to get along extremely well. I mean, there's no reason to uh, believe that the team can't take another another step now. Uh, will they? And as Tony said, that's I think that's how we all judge it. And, and I'm not one to wouldn't be one to judge and say they got to finish third in the West or they've or they've taken a step back because the the opposition has something to do with that. You might be better and finish lower, but I do think that uh, probably from a fan's perspective, of which I'm one, I, I think you're saying, well, we want to be in that playoff mix pretty high up there, fifth, sixth, the lowest, and 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 probably advance, you know, or or you'd say, well, they just didn't quite do enough. So there's probably. You know, from a lot of us second guessers, there's probably a little pressure in that regard that we we do expect more. Uh, you know, and some of course some people saying you got to go win 55 games. Well, I don't think this team is going to do that. It, you know, even if they've got some of the free agents I wanted, they weren't going to do that. Tony, was there a deal that you saw out there that another team did that you were kind of like, man, I wish the Kings had done that with with that extra space that they have. Um. The bigger deals are hard. So, for example, Kyle Kuzma. I would have been okay if the Kings went in that direction instead of Harrison Barnes. I know that's a controversial opinion to some. Uh, I just think Kuzma might be a better fit. He's a better rebounder, uh, a little bit younger, obviously, a little bit more firepower offensively. I think he might even be a better defender at times, depending on the matchup, than Barnes. For me, I'm even talking about some of the, the league minimum deals or near league minimum deals that we saw around the league. For example, bringing back someone like Alex Len, when there were centers like Thomas Bryant or I'd even throw uh, Mo Bamba out there, who I know some some here like and go. some don't. But there were some some very cheap free agent centers that I would have been a little bit more comfortable with. Miles Plumley, if you could have used some cap space there um, instead of running it back with Len. He also didn't trade anybody, which is fine. You know, we, it's hard to predict what trades were or weren't there. But just the just the running it back nature of this, I know it's a cop out of a question to not provide with provide like better alternatives but I'm, I'm more talking i guess trades here instead of free agents because to your point will there isn't a lot of deals where i was like yeah the kings really missed missed out on that one i think some of the restricted free agents like nas reed but again you can't control situations like that paul reed's another one you can't control situations like that so it's more about just not not improving your team whether that's trades or free agency and kind of just running the same team back where i think that's an easy easy thing to criticize when you're your result was a first round exit. Like they had a great year last year, but they still lost in the first round. So running it back and expecting different results, uh, it could work for them. But for a lot of people who are critical saying it, it won't, I think that's a fair and, and valid position to have too. Jerry, was there any moves that you saw out there that you would have preferred the Kings make as to what they ended up doing? Well, not, I mean, I'm a little bit like Tony. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Kyle Kuzma, but I, I thought, you know, if you could get him at a reason, reasonable contract he would be an probably an improvement 
on Barnes going forward. Not and, and not necessarily for sure now. I mean, but I think definitely, you know, set you up a little better uh, longer term. Uh, but I also I get the difference in contract and commitment, mm-hmm. and uh, they probably weren't willing to do that. Uh, and we'll know whether it's wise or not wise at some point or, or, or trying to make some trades that may or may not have been there. I, you know, I, it's like Ananobi. I mean, I like the guy a lot, but I, I'm just not sure he was worth, you know, what Toronto thought he was worth. Sure. And at some point you can't make somebody trade, you know, it's a little bit like the Lillard thing. It's like, yeah, he's great, but you know, uh, if you got to give up your team to get him, then that doesn't work. And so, so anyway, I, yeah, I, you, you know, that's, and we talked about this a lot. There's just so many things that are rumored that we don't know if it's true or yeah. not. And I, and I know just from dealing with agents over the years, most of it isn't. And uh, with, with Monty, you know, he's going to play it close to the vest, which I respect the heck out of that. Uh, so anyway, uh other than Nas Reed, you know, you guys know I was sure. I, I about, you know, I, I pouted for a couple of days on that. And, <laughs> and, and I wish they had kind of went a different, tried a different direction on that. But but I, I get it. They, you know, uh, Nas uh, probably to his own credit just said, hey, I this is a lot more money than I ever thought I'd make. And they want me and I like it here. So I'll stay, you know, that sort of thing. So in general, how do you two feel about the roster as currently constructed and do you see any glow uh, any glaring holes uh that need to be filled and how do you think the kings will fill them when the time comes for them to fill them well they still have the the, the in my mind the whole you know at a real power four and the, you know a guy that can protect the rim a little bit fit with sabonis better defensively I think they've got guys that can fit with him offensively. Of course, if you can't fit with Sabonis offensively, you just probably can't fit. Uh, it's also true. But uh, so, yeah, I think there's a, you know, if you want to get better defensively, I guess my answer would be you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, definitely agree with Jerry. The, the biggest weakness for this team is still defense. If anything, it seems like they went in the uh... – even more in the offensive direction when you consider, you know, bringing guys like Sasha over who who may or may not play a, a big role in the rotation. Um, to me, my view of kind of free agency as a whole is, uh, and the reason why I'm kind of sitting on the fence with not being too critical and also not being too positive with some of these moves is that to me, it seems like the Kings are banking on internal improvement to kind of take them to the next level for the most part. And when the player you're banking on for that is Keegan Murray, a guy that I believe so much in that he actually is and could be good enough to make them considerably better. It's hard for me to be too critical of what they've done because it, like if Monty McNair just believes that much in Keegan Murray to take that big of a leap to really make this team that much better, I would just say, yeah, I kind of, I kind of believe in Keegan Murray too. Like I don't really totally disagree too much there. So that's kind of why I'm, I've been on the fence about this free agency because I, I do like like the internal improvement argument is something we've talked about for years with this Kings team because they're always young and we're always talking about, well, how much better will they get? And in this case, when you're riding on Keegan Murray to be the one that kind of energizes that, I actually think that has like a pretty decent likelihood of happening, um, which is why, you know, despite running it back and and this kind of narrative, I, I'm not that down on the off season because if Keegan Murray is awesome next year and the Kings are better, I'm not going to be surprised at all. 
Well, I, I agree a thousand percent with that about Keegan. And of course, I've, I've said this before, but I mean, clearly just watching him in the classic, you know, has he taken a step? Hell yeah, he's taken a step. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, whether he's ready for stardom yet, but you, it'd be hard to say that he, he shouldn't be or likely to be the third best player in his second year in the league. And I'll take it a step further. And I know Kings Herald fans out there, you'll see the old farts finally, finally, but he's better. He was better as a rookie than Pedro. He was better as a rookie than Hedo. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know that he's going to be better than those guys in three or four years, but, but so far so good, you know, I mean, yeah. and, and I think sometimes, you know, as fans, you just kind of remember the best parts of certain guys. You don't remember the developing parts, mm -hmm. but I mean, and what there's, you know, there's just nothing not to like about Keegan. And he's an athletic guy more so than people realize on a team that needs a little length and athleticism. And that's why I say I love him at small forward because I think that's, you know, that's just where he belongs. That's just where he belongs. And and not that he can't play for, but I think just, you know, with his shooting ability and ability now to maybe create off the dribble a little more, he, you know, he he's a tougher matchup for threes, I think. So anyway, but Keegan, you know, we always talk about player development. Well, damn, that's one that's developing. <laughs> just just to give a little context to those at home who didn't get to see uh, the California Classic, um, in two games played, uh, Keegan scored 29 points and 41 points in just an average of 31 minutes. He averaged 13 free throw attempts a game, shot 89% from the line in those. Uh, he averaged two blocks a game. He was breaking guys' ankles. He was taking it on the floor and dunking in traffic. I agree with you guys both in that, like I was thinking inappropriate things about how good <laughs> yeah. this team could be watching Keegan play. Yeah. And that might be, I mean, how much, how much, I guess this will be a, a bigger question or more philosophical question. How much onus do you guys put on, on Keegan playing in a, in, in two summer league games and then calling it quits for the summer? How much do you guys put into that? How much do you guys look at that and go, yeah, the things he's doing will be replicable when it's, you know, somebody who's a, a, a small forward in the NBA and not somebody who's begging to get a rotational spot in the G league somewhere. Well, I mean, I, the thing I, I just go kind of the eye test there with Keegan. I mean, you know, we've talked about before, but how much better he got from the start of the season last year to the end, how much he improved during the start of the playoffs to the end. He just seems like one of those guys who gets it, yeah. you know, uh, uh, I, I got to do this better. And then, you you know, in the classic, it's two games. I know it's summer league and you're playing guys that aren't going to play in the, when it counts, but, but he was doing things that we wanted to see him do beat people off the dribble, uh, attack the basket. Did he make mistakes? Sure. But he was trying to do things that, that he needs to do to be a, a next level player. And he was basically successful at that shooting uh, floaters uh, you know, mid-range things. It's like, geez, uh, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting all giddy here. But, uh, I mean, I, I I think it's reasonable to expect that he'll be a notch better player than he was last year. So that part I don't worry much about. Yeah, I ran some just – I mean, these numbers are very, very basic. But he shot 18.5 field goal attempts uh, per game in the summer league, and he had, hadn't hit that – uh, volume all year, like it's, it's high for shots attempts 
all regular season was 17. So he's he came out in summer league firing and his efficiency didn't dip at all. He still shot over 50% from the field, 45% from three. And I watched those games. Some of those shots were not easy. It wasn't like a basic, like, oh, he's getting easy buckets off shitty summer league defense. He was taking some step back, some fadeaway jumpers, some floaters in the lane, some different type of stuff. And the efficiency did not dip at all. And my thing with Keegan Murray is that he just, he just continues to pass every single test you can throw at him, whether it's preseason last year, summer league last year, regular season last year, rolling into the uh, summer league this year. And until he gives me a reason to think he can't do something, I'm just going to default to, he's going to be very good because he continues to just be very good every time we give him a new challenge or a new test. Um, So that's, that's me just throwing more, more fuel on the on the Keegan Murray fire. I, I could not be happier with what he did in Summer League. And I understand it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but I still thought it was a very good showing for him and just more reason for optimism. Yeah, you know, and to your point, I mean, he's not going to average 30 points a game. We, yeah. we get that. But there's reason why why can't he be a 16-point-a-game yeah. guy, 17-point-a-game guy, and you know with him – It'd be on like 12 shots or so yeah. uh, that, that sort of thing. So automatically you've, you've, you know, that makes you a little better. Uh, you know, I think, I think Fox can still take it, take it up a little notch. I'm not sure Monk can play much better. Uh, you know, Herder's kind of who he is. Barnes is who he is. Lyles is kind of who he is other than comfort zone kind of things. Uh, so, yeah. So let's just believe that, uh, you know, stability counts for some and player development is a real thing if the players can be developed. And as I've said, a lot of them can't be. Some of them just aren't very good. (laughs) And you'll waste years of your time. (laughs) Tony, you said uh, uh, you were throwing fuel on the fire here. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a grenade on the fire now and just really blow this up. Uh, Jerry, there's a a former SB Nation writer named Evan Sittery. Uh, he's a Forbes sports contributor. He tweeted out today uh, that during a conversation on a Ryan Rosillo podcast, Chris Mannix, who's a writer for Sports Illustrated, said that the Kings believe Keegan has superstar upside and like enough to become their number one option. The quote was, uh, they look at him and see a potential franchise player. They believe he's as good as anyone they have on the roster, including De'Aaron Fox, including Damanis Sabonis. They believe he's the next star for their team. I, I try to be pragmatic. I lean towards pessimistic, probably. So I can't really answer this. But is it crazy to believe, Jerry, to push us a little bit further than what we've even talked about? Does Keegan have what it takes to be a number one or at least a number one C for this King squad? Possible, but I'm going to hold off. Sure. <laughs> I need to, you know, I think this year will tell us, you know, if he does just like what we were talking about, you know, jerk, you know his game moves up a full full notch. Then you could then you can make that case, and I, and my guess is that that's you know pretty much what the Kings people are thinking. I mean, sure you you want to wish that, and could he be the number one guy in two years or three years? Sure, it's possible, and it's it's also possible that he maybe he's the third guy, sure. and always will be, and and it, even as the third guy, that's significantly better than he was. So I'll probably hold off on that. I'll definitely hold off on that for one more year. <laughs> Tony, tell me he's an MVP candidate right now. All right. He's an MVP candidate. <laughs> you want to know? Uh, I don't know. That's, that's crazy thing to say or believe, but I'm again, I'm not going to doubt. So, but, and I will say that if the Kings believe that that lines up with what they did this off season in free agency, that like their moves, their moves support them being extremely high on Keegan Murray is, is how I would frame it. 
Okay, before we get to the rest of uh, the summer league, I just want to get your guys' uh, general thoughts on the NBA free agency. You guys have any best or worst moves of the NBA offseason so far? Mm, well, I, I I don't like the Bradley Beal thing mm. in Phoenix. Uh, you know, I think, you know, just because of his productivity, injury history, contract going forward, and, and I think it might make him better next year, but I think that's going to be a – that's going to be a situation I think is going to be John Wall type in a year or so, I, I think. And so that's just a thought there. I mean, everybody's from the, you know, the super team. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, if you, if you're going to then, if you're going to force Devin Booker to be a point guard, that he's not the same as good, which is crazy because he can do it, but, but he's a shooting guard and, and one of the very best in, last decade so anyway i didn't like that at all uh trying to think of some others that uh you know that of course as many uh trades were rumored i mean i i kind of like the 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 cooper uh or or john collins i mean mm-hmm. uh for uh utah oh yeah uh, i mean i i think you know i of course it's like danny ainge i mean keontae jones are Whatever, what is George? his name? I said, Could you count a yeah. George? Yeah, he may be the best damn rookie in the summer league. I mean, <laughs> you know, not talent potential because obviously that's Wimbanyana, but you know, that's uh, knowing what you see and seeing what you know, you know, kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I like that for them, you know, and I wouldn't like say I was never a big fan, but I, I feel like he's one of those guys that needs to change the scenery. You're going to see a better player. You, you know, in Utah than you saw the last couple of years in Atlanta. And I think you'd have seen a better player in in Sacramento, too, than you saw in Atlanta. But, you know, it I understand the whole bit. But, uh, yeah, that guy needed traded. And so so I like that. So I can't think of any, you know, offhand other. So we'll listen to you guys. Tony, what, did you, what do you think of the, the best and worst moves of the offseason? Maybe this says more about me than than anything, but I didn't love any of the the big money moves. I just feel like I'm still looking at all these contracts, going, ah, I don't, I don't know if I would have signed that. But some of the the uh, contenders I thought made some interesting moves. I I'm with Jerry. I don't really love Bradley Beal, but I love what the Suns did around their stars in the minimum with Yuta Watanabe, uh, Keita Bates Diop, uh, Drew Eubanks. Um, they also retained Cameron Payne, Josh Okogi, Damian Lee. They got Metu. So shout out to Chimezi <laughs> Metu finding a new home in Phoenix. Now, did did they get uh, Eric Gordon? Did they get him? Yes, he he's yeah. Yep, they got they got Eric Gordon too. Yep. Uh, also, the Lakers, uh, Torian Prince and Gabe Vincent, I like to kind of run it there. Oh, yeah. And also, just a very random, uh, almost league minimum. Getting Seth Curry for Dallas is very annoying because they got him for almost nothing. So there were some some cheaper deals that I liked. The the big money deals, I wasn't a huge fan of any of those, but. I thought some some good teams made some good upgrades for not a lot of money here. Yeah, I I guess for me, like I, I do not believe in Dylan Brooks. I uh, he's one of those guys that like I don't believe that he he's deserves to play in China or anything else like that. But I think that Houston was just kind of like we have all this extra money, yeah. we might as well just like give it to somebody. And the, the the stuff that that Houston's doing is really weird. It feels like Ime Odoka came in here and was like, "Hey, if I'm going to coach this team, I need you guys to like." go get me actual NBA players and not a bunch of eighth graders. Yeah. And they, you know, some of the moves that they made to send out Josh Christopher, um, um, 
uh, Usman Garuba, some of those guys. That was kind of questionable. Uh, I think the Trailblazers kind of had the best and worst moves. I mean, Jeremy Grant on a bad team making $160 million is kind of like a weird one. But then they also didn't just trade Dame to Miami as soon as he wanted out. Yeah, I think it was incredibly smart <laughs> yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah, yet, I guess. But like making Dame wait or making Miami up their offer and then having the the gall to draft Scoot Henderson instead of just swinging three for a proven player. Like I think that was smart of Cronin to do that. Like I, I think their their team will be young as soon as Dame leaves. Their team will be young and good very quickly. To have Scoot Henderson, to have guys like Simons, to have a guy like Shaden Sharp and Chris Murray, those are decent little pieces that can play right away. And they might not be good, good, but they might be like OKC two years ago, good. And and as we all know, that's a great team for me. So yeah, I'm I'm glad at least Portland is holding their ground with the Damian Lillard trade and still took Scoot Henderson instead of bowing to the pressure of that free agency thing or trade trade request. Yeah, that's a good point on that because, I mean, with Scoot, he just needed to take him. You know, he was there at yeah. that pick. And, that's awesome. uh, yeah. and looks like he's going to be a real, real star uh, in time. I mean, shooting just is not good enough yet, but no reason to think he can't get good enough. Uh, I was arguing with the guy today. He said, well, he can't really – shooting i said well uh, how good a shooter was jason kidd please explain that to me <laughs> when he came in the league he he had a quite a nice career i thought maybe i missed some but uh, <laughs> and i think scoot's a much better shooter at this same age i mean he's he's clearly a better shooter than jason now i'm not saying he's gonna be a better player ain't gonna do that <laughs> but but i understand why portland did what they did and 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 totally with you will i mean there's absolutely no reason they should make a bad deal for the franchise to, to satisfy, you know, Aaron Gordon, his agent and, and Damien to go to where he, they need to make, if he wants traded, they, you know, it's like Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, Danny Ainge traded him to Cleveland. He didn't trade him to New York where he wanted to go. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a big boy league. Okay. So let's roll over to uh Las Vegas summer league. Um, I'm not going to really structure this other than to, uh, I guess I'll start off by saying Colby Jones actually did sign a contract with the Kings. Um, he's on a four year, $8.76 million rookie deal. There's two years that are guaranteed. He was the very first player signed under the NBA's new second round pick exception um, in summer league. So far in Las Vegas summer league, he's averaging 15 and a half points, 36% from three, six rebounds, two steals. Uh, how have you guys liked, I mean, you can say whoever you want to in terms of your standouts, your disappointments, other team stands up. How are you guys taking in summer league so far this year? Basketball has been a little rough, but how do you guys see the Kings have done and their individual players? Well, well I like Colby Jones. I mean, I think he's a baller. I do. I, I don't know how much he's going to help this year, but I think, you know, I liked uh, Keon Ellis too, but, but I mean, Colby's a better player, I think. And so, and, and that, to me, at least that's what my eyes tell me. And, and, and I think that's significant, really, because I think, you know, I think Keon, the right situation, could play in the league uh, some. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, again, I think Monty and his staff and all, uh, you know, pretty much get it. I mean, I, I was, you know, whether it's risky signing a second-round guy that much, I don't know for that long. But but it looks like it. That's a. It'll turn out to be a great deal if he's a player. It looks like that he is. 
And so, so anyway, yeah, I like him as much as I really don't like Slauson. So, (laughs) (laughs) so that's just me. And, and I'm really disappointed with uh, Kata. You know, I thought Demias would do better. I'm pulling for him, you know, and he tries hard, but I honestly think Alex Lynn is probably better. Tony, is, uh, is Colby Jones, are you buying the Colby Jones is Josh Hart 2.0 stock? Um, I wouldn't, well, I'd buy it just because I I'll, I like the gamble a little bit there, but <laughs> the Kings haven't hit on a second round pick in so long that I'm trying to not get my hopes up too much that Colby Jones is going to be a impact player for the Kings. But if you watch him for like one quarter, you can tell why he's kind of a Monty McNair type player out there. He does a lot of different things in the court. He plays hard. He plays good defense. He plays smart. I even like his, how he takes it to the rim. He can shoot a little bit. So there's a, there's a player there. Is he going to, you know, be an NBA player? I don't know. Cause you know, at the end of last season, I thought Kessler Edwards was going to be an NBA player. And I thought, think he's been very disappointing in summer league as well. It's just, and I think that's where Colby Jones actually kind of stands out because you look at a guy like Kessler Edwards who played some pretty good minutes for the Kings last year but he really had no offense. Like you couldn't really do anything with him offensively besides the shot. If it went in and Colby Jones to me is a much more versatile player than uh, Kessler Edwards on offense. So he might actually like take that spot in the rotation. If anywhere, if anything to me is, uh, you know, looking at the summer league right now, I'd, I'd feel much more comfortable with Kobe Jones minutes than Kessler Edwards minutes. And like you guys said, Kada, unfortunately, I think, I don't know. The ship is sailing there. He just has not, the production has not been there. He plays hard. He can block some shots. Um, but it's just not enough. It's it's hard to have players on the court who who really do nothing offensively. And I feel like Kate is falling into that category. And even Kessler Edwards just not being able to score in summer league is also kind of falling into that category for me. Yeah, I think Kata, his physical profile is such that he should be like averaging 12, 13 rebounds a game. And I've never seen a guy so big. And like physically, he's not a thin man by any means, but so many rebounds or 50-50 balls just kind of go by him. And I don't know if he's just got bad hands or if he's just not motivated to rebound, but like he's averaging seven rebounds and there's like 10 a game that I'm like, Oh, get that one. No. Okay. You're good. Mm-hmm. He just rebounds so little for a guy of his size. And it shocks me sometimes. Yeah. He's a decent shot blocker, just a terrible rebound. Yeah. You know, the uh, thing I, I've said on that, and I've told a couple of radio things about it. And, and I, I really think I'm right. They're talking about what, what do you see? And I, he is reaction time. It's reaction yeah. time. Uh, it's not lack of effort. It's not like, but the, but like you say, you know, it's a, uh, the, he just is a split second slower reacting to balls than you need to be. And like I say, even that's why I say Alex Lynn, you know, you don't see the same and not that he's the greatest reaction, yeah. but I think, uh, but I think you see a little bit of difference there. You know, I here again, and I, I feel bad saying that because I read pulling for the guy, but I, I just don't believe it. Uh, it's going to get enough, and and you know that's got to get as you said. The, the, he can block shots decent, but you got to rebound better, and you got to be uh, even even finding good positions. Re, you know the defenders are always beating him to his spots and think little things. You know that you see that you know no no don't do that get there. <laughs> Jerry, you mentioned Jalen Slauson as kind of a, a, a down point for you. He's only averaging two and a half points, two assists, one steal. I think he's averaging like half a rebound. Uh, what is it about Jalen Slauson's game that you haven't liked so far in these two games in Vegas? Mm, doesn't have much of a game. That's what I don't sure. like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like with, I've been disappointed with Kessel Edwards, like Tony was saying, but but I mean, 
you know, you, you're really kind of talking about the same kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Kessler, he's young. I mean, he's not as young as Slauson, but, but he's way better. And so now does that mean that Slauson can't be an NBA player? I, I don't mean that at all, but he's definitely a G league player, you know? So, so in my mind, once you, you know, I guess my thinking is, okay, he's a G league player. So I don't want to think about him much more, you know? <laughs> Uh, any, any, uh, there's been some discussion about the Kings, like need for a third point guard here. Um, any hope for either of you, not hope necessarily, but any idea of whether or not Keon Ellis or Jordan Ford could fill those roles as the, as the Matthew Delavadova uh, role for the Kings this next year? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think they could all, there's both, you know, could fill the Delavadova role as a player. I think they all could. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if they could fit the role roster wise or locker room wise or respect rot wise. I mean, I do think with Delhi, you have to give him his props, you know, that sure. they kind of knew coach Brown knew what he wanted and he got what he wanted with Delhi. Uh, and, and now I wouldn't say that. I don't know. I mean, if I were going to try something, obviously you got uh, Davion, but I, I would, uh, I, I would give Colby Jones uh, maybe a little time there if I could. You know, but that just that's just me. I don't think I don't know if he's a natural point guard, but the, the term natural point guard really, how many are there anyway in the world now? You know, it's a different game. A guy you're looking for, a guy can guard the position, break defenses down, make an open shot. You know, uh, that's for a third guy anyway. Yeah, I think I think Jordan Ford has been pretty good, um, but. Is he going to be your best option for an emergency point guard? I don't know. I feel like you get to training camp, players get cut, other point guards around summer league who don't have NBA contracts. You might be able to pick up someone even better who might be even a little bit younger. But if they do, you know, they've had invested some time with Jordan Ford. If they decide to give him an NBA shot, I'm not going to complain either. Although I will say my um, my dream Delavadova replacement for kind of the over the hill uh, coach on the bench award is is still Goran Dragic, who is a free agent. If you get him on the minimum. <laughs> Uh, at the end of the bench, that's that's my vote for the uh, the memorial. You know, doesn't really play, but gets to warm up. Point guard. I tell you the guy I wish they'd try to get, or I mean, he's on contract on a team, but I don't know that he fits with all. Is uh, McConnell for Indiana? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that guy is plays good every time he plays. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yes. know, I just like you know now, and I don't know where they're going to play him, but then they. They didn't know where they're going to play him last year, but they end up playing him a lot. <laughs> so, but anyway, so that's just, you know, just seems like that guy just kicked butt, uh, you know, in whatever limited minutes he gets. And and that's kind of, you know, I mean, that'd be uh, a talented Delavadova. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Last thing before we cut to commercial break. Uh, Jerry, the Kings Herald's own Omer Khan, uh, he recently brought to our attention an article that I that I want to talk to you about. Um, it was written in December of 1995 by Tom Friend for the New York Times, entitled uh, paper, "Paper, Scissors, and the Rock." Uh, Jerry, I don't know if you know anything about this article, if you know what I'm talking about here. But uh, in this article, uh, Tom Friend is setting up uh, the surprising first quarter of the season that the Kings had, um, in which you guys were in first place at the time of publishing. Uh, but uh, he mentioned uh, the Kings being in the lotto every year since 1986 and that you hit the jackpot in an off year with Purvis Ellison and missed the jackpot the year that Shaq was eligible. 
And so now I'm going to read straight from the Hoosier's mouth here and quoting you, Jerry. Okay. Um, I've still got the Shaq jersey I took to the lottery that day, said Jerry Reynolds, their former GM, who is now in player personnel. To add spice to my life, I have my wife wear it. <laughs> uh, you want to you want to yeah. give us a rundown on that, Jerry? Do you still have that Shaq Kings jersey? Somewhere? No, no, you know I don't. I kept it for years, and yes, uh, Tom Friend is a good writer. Good, I know him well, and, and, and we, but uh, I did have uh, Mrs. Reynolds in uh, both of our younger days. Uh, you know, they were you know what am I saying here? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> you know, I had my little moments. Uh, <laughs> sure i appreciate them more now by the way but that, sure uh, oh, sure <laughs> uh, but the uh but no i kept it for a long time and and then when jim thomas sold the team i just thought you know he ought to have it because sure. that, that would i you know because we both know if we'd have gotten shack uh that sure. that he probably would still own the team and things would have looked very different, yeah. but uh, so sure. so anyway, so Jim Thomas, <laughs> to my knowledge, has that Shaq jersey. But yes, I, I like everybody else, you know, had the, you know, had a Shaq jersey there, sure. you know. But the, <laughs> but so yeah, I was always remember that draft. Of course, you know, it's much like the Wimbledonana. You know, you can't miss with this guy. Oh, sure, sure. What a quote. It, it, later on, uh, uh, Tony, there's another quote where he says that he would have cussed, he would have kissed David Stern right on the mouth if, <laughs> if, if they had gotten Shaq. Well, uh, I, it was a joy uh, of an article, Jerry. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I probably would have went for the cheek. I, I really would have had to bail, you know, because I know <laughs> I, as scared as I was of Stern, I'm not sure I'd had the courage to even hug him, to be honest with you. Sure. <laughs> he, the quote, the, just to refresh your memory, Jerry, the quote is, no, really. I had the jersey nice and folded that day at the lottery and was ready to jump up and hug David Stern. He wouldn't know me from a lump of coal, but I would have kissed him on the lips and we'd have won 50 <laughs> games for a load of years. Yeah, well, that's, I really believe all that would have happened whether I kissed him or not. But, yeah. uh, you know, and, and Shaq being the dominant player, he wasn't such a good guy. You know, every, sure. you know, everybody around the guy, I mean, he's legitimately like he seems. Uh, it's just amazing because I'd really scouted the heck out of him like everybody did that year. I'd always remember just being at LSU and walking around campus and asking people about him and, you know, normal students. And they, oh, you what a good guy, Shaq. You know, sure. it's like, because like I say, a lot of guys you walk around and say, oh, he's a dick. Jesus. <laughs> you know, you know, certain, <laughs> you know, a lot of so-called sure. big timers, you know, sure. Oh, nobody can stand him. You know, he's, you know, <laughs> But anyway, Perfect. so yeah, that's uh, Tom got it right. Other than, and I probably said that. I'm not saying sure. that, <laughs> but I really wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to kiss <laughs> Stern on the lips. So I can tell you right now. Uh, oh well, if Jim Thomas ever reaches out to you and asks you if you want your jersey back, let let me know, Jerry. I'll drop some good money on Jim Thomas's Shaq Kings jersey. Okay. Yeah, I, I've thought about that a lot because he, you know, he didn't. He had forgot about it. And certainly, I could have. Certainly could have kept it, but sure. but I I still I think I did the right thing. You did. No, you didn't. Okay, we'll go to a commercial break and we'll be right back. Sacramento Electric Supply now has stock on fiber and fiber accessories from Tex Logics. From bulk fiber cable to splicing kits to connectors, Sacramento Electronics is now your home for your fiber cabling needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova 
Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or visit them online 24-7, www.sackelect.com. Okay, we are back from the commercial break. Tony, let's go over to you for our Patreon question of the day. Thanks, Will. On every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash King's Herald. You can submit questions on Patreon, on Twitter, on the website. Uh, and any question you ask, we will ask Jerry either here on the main show or on the Patreon-exclusive Q&A that we record once a month where we ask all the leftover questions. So everything will get answered eventually. Keep submitting. This week's question <clears throat> comes from Dutch Kings fan. And I thought uh, Dutch Kings fan put this really, really bluntly for us to all kind of put our money where our mouths are with regards to how people are talking about the Kings offseason so far. Uh, and Dutch Kings fan says, a lot of predictions have been made already about next year. And I feel like there are two camps when it comes to the Kings. They overachieved this year and will probably be worse next or their continuity and minor upgrades will make the team even better. Where do you guys stand? Uh, Jerry, what are your thoughts? I I, I think the team will be better. I, I, I mean, I think so much of it has to do with, uh, you know, stability of the franchise togetherness. I mean, they're an unselfish bunch that they'll, I think, start off the year better than they did last year because of the kind of year they had. Keegan Murray, I think his development will, will prove out to be a real step. And so, yeah, I think they'll be better. Uh, do I think they'll win more games do i think they'll finish higher than third not necessarily but i but i think they're they will be better prepared to advance in the playoffs if they can stay healthy yeah i agree uh i think i think there is a road where you can say that they both overachieved this previous season and also their continuity and minor upgrades will make them a better team um I, I don't think they over I mean I think they overachieved in terms of like my own personal standards maybe in terms of the talent of the league I don't think 48 wins is going to get you the third seed next year in the west but I also think that they will be a they uh, barring injury or anything major like that I think they'll be a better team because of the continuity and they got rid of a lot of uh the my bad guys I think I think Velo and Casey like to call them the my bad guys like uh, uh the boneheaded kind of players like uh you know, Chimezi Metsu sometimes would tap himself on the chest and be like, oh, that was my bad. Or Terrence Davis, oh, that, that was my bad. <laughs> well, you replace those guys with Sasha Vizankov, who's an MVP in Europe, and Chris Duarte, and all of a sudden you, you have 15 dogs on your team rather than, you know, 13 dogs and a couple of my bad guys. I don't think that's a – I don't think that's a, a, a recipe for disaster. I think the Kings will probably be better. But to Jerry's point – they might not win as many games because the West got even harder and they might be a lower seed because of the West got harder, but they will be a better basketball team overall because of it. Yeah. To me, I guess not to, you know, just be the the podcast where everyone agrees all the time, but I, I kind of feel the same way. I think the, I don't even know if they overachieved last year more that the, to me, the, the rest of the West kind of underachieved and that kind of just inflated the Kings position. Maybe those are the same, the same sentences, but it, it kind of feels a little bit different to me. Um, and then this year, again, like Jerry and, and Will said, they may not finish third. They might not win as many games, but it won't matter until the playoffs start and we see if they advance or not, which is why I feel like we will be having this conversation all next season if they are kind of trending a little bit lower in the standings or they're not quite on the same win pace. And we'll be fielding those questions and talking about it ourselves, about how they're 
playing worse. They took a step back. We won't really know until the playoffs start and see if they get in seeding and see if they can make it to the second round. And it's that's just going to be the the narrative of the season is is did they get better? And I I really don't think we're going to know. I'll be shocked if they kind of blow it out and win 55 games and finish top two, top three, that'd be awesome. But I don't think that's going to happen either. I think it's going to be a grind and it's going to come right down to the, you know, elimination game of the playoffs to really determine if this team got better or not. And I think that's just the way it's going to have to be with this team. Okay, Jerry, we're going to roll over to you now for the Reynolds wrap up. Well, uh, I was just, uh, I had a note here. I better. Yeah. Uh, just want to remind fans, I don't know if everybody's had a chance to see the 30 for 30 feature on Bill Walton. Uh, if you haven't, you know, on oh, ESPN, yeah, yeah. it's really great. Well done. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I always certainly, what little I knew him and I got to him pretty good, but what a likable person. You know, I mean, I'm like a lot of people. I, I knew he had all kinds of health issues and and, but I didn't know to the depths that he had him. And, and certainly, you know, I won't lie. I enjoy him on TV if, if it's a game that I don't care about. But if it's a serious game, I, I, I can't do it. <laughs> but but uh, but he's uh, just, I mean, uh, just a wonderfully done thing and, you know, showed his comeback with the Celtics and all that. But I, I just think it's one of those human interest kind of things for a former, you know, all-time great college player and looked like all-time great NBA player and the injuries just took took their toll so uh anyway just really enjoyed that and, and then I guess one last thought I I'm liking the uh in the summer league where the challenges if you win your challenge you get to keep it it always made sense to me you know for the coach you know it's like why why would you you win a challenge and then you don't get another one uh, I think I like that and so but that's about it. That, that's my thoughts for that. And, you know, watch a little more summer league as much as I can stand. That's, that's my goal now. Jerry, I'm happy to, uh, to break some news for you then. Uh, the NBA board of governors approved two new gameplay changes, uh, in-game penalty for flops resulting in a technical free throw and a second coaches challenge awarded if the first challenge is successful. So those are going to be going into the NBA next season. I, well, I do like that a lot. And I, like I say, I wish they would eat, eat personally. It would take away some of the, Technic or timeouts of the game, speed it up. And uh, then my one bitch, which we, I've done before, is like, <laughs> how can you have an instant replay and get it wrong? You know, the, re- <laughs> the do the review and spend two minutes and then, and then get it wrong. It's like, well, what's the point here, guys? If you're not always going, and I, we know they're not always going to be right, well, then do it quicker, you know. Take a quick look. You called it. You called it one way. If you can't see something different to change your mind, move on. That's all. Uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> I think, and I actually think a lot of people agree with me. Believe it or not, I think it, that that is starting to that's starting to grow. I think so. So anyway, but but uh, I but anyway, the the league is. <laughs> I mean, the the flops thing. They're on the right track. I know. I know they'll screw it up as the year goes. We both know, all know that, right? <laughs> that by mid year, the guys will be flopping around like soccer players, and they won't. <laughs> well, all right. I'd like to thank you guys for listening to another episode of King Charles Show. Obviously, we'll be back in a couple of weeks after the Kings have won another uh, Las Vegas Summer League championship, and um, we'll be happy to talk about it then. So we will. Uh, We'll see you guys here in a couple of weeks and thanks so much for listening.